Sunday. Um, of course, today we, we remember, uh, or we read, have the gospel readings, and of course we're celebrating the entry of the Lord into Jerusalem. And there was a great crowd, and um, by, this, by this time, many of the people who had not witnessed the, raising, the miracle of the raising of Lazarus from the dead found, found out about it, and they all um, came in order to, to glorify Christ. And I wondered why, sometimes I wonder why we celebrate this feast if it, if it almost seems that um, right after the feast we mourn. And, um, or it, it doesn't seem so festal. So Jesus is proclaiming his kingship and with, within a few days many of the people who glorified him and said Hosanna to the king of Israel turned against him. But why we celebrate Palm Sunday as a joyful occasion is because when Christ comes out to proclaim His kingship, we are the ones who come and say, we believe in your, in your kingship. We believe that you are the King of Israel. And so I thought to myself, why would I ask myself this question? That Palm Sunday almost seems like it was a death sentence or that there wasn't much value in it. Why would you proclaim yourself as king if many will turn on you, let alone actually knowing, with of course Christ being God, knowing uh, that many of them will turn against them? It's not just a, a hypothetical, but he knows the hearts of all the people. And so how often do each of us know something to be true, and yet what stops us is our insecurities? And sometimes we do that in our careers, in, our, in school, um, our services and so forth and so if there is uh, anything that is true that we know to be true it is Christ's kingship it's an absolute truth to every creation and Christ if you notice in the, in the second, to la second to last gospel he's saying that the glory of God is not even dependent on any of our opinions because he, he is truth, because he is God. And he says in the gospel we read, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. That's to say that whether one perceives that I am the son of God or whether I'm worthy or not of glory, that if all humanity rejected me, that the earth itself would cry out and proclaim my glory. And so we find though that sometimes insecurity in our lives um, deprives, us, deprives us of many, of many good things. It deprives us many times of, of uh, our confidence in our relationship with God and in our calling to the things that we have in our lives. And one of, the, one of the greatest prophets in, in all of Scripture who had some of the greatest insecurities was Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, he speaks about when God calls him, of course, to, to lead his people. He talks about how he is unworthy because he murdered a man. He speaks about how he's no, he, no, he no longer has the authority that he once had because he doesn't have any credibility. Moses said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. 
And then in chapter 4, he says, he, he says, God, I don't have eloquence of speech. So God is calling him, and every time he has an excuse. He was a simple shepherd and now is asked to lead an entire people. He says, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. How many of us have insecurities because of our past mistakes, or we question our credibility, or our talents, our abilities? Sometimes mothers are insecure about whether or not they will be good mothers or not. Husbands insecure about whether they are good husbands to their wives. Servants insecure about anything that they do in the church. I don't want to serve because I don't know how I will be perceived. Or insecure about sharing our faith and beliefs with friends, whether at outside of church, whether at school or work. Employees insecure in their work because they compare themselves to others. Students who, who cheat because insecure about what knowledge that they might have in the material that they're studying. Many believers feel insecure about their salvation, where they stand in the eyes of God. So many examples of our insecurities that get in the way of things that God calls us to, not just necessarily in our prayer life, but God calls us to do things within our work, within our homes, within our schools, everywhere that we are. And how does God perceive this? How does God see when we constantly respond to him with, ins with our insecurities. He, he looks to Moses, he speaks to Moses and he says, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But Moses said, Oh my Lord, please send me, please send by... Please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. And then he said, and then we read, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Anger as in like he's going to destroy Moses? No. Look at God's love. He said, is, Aaron, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. God is teaching us here that sometimes our insecurities are a bit frustrating. Why? Because he's saying, I know you have speech impediments. I know you had a bad past. So that's why I'm saying I will give you what you need. I will supply everything to you. And yet Moses says, thanks but no thanks. And he purposely doesn't deprive us of what he calls us to do even if we reject it. Because he says, I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. He didn't say, okay, fine, then I will be with the mouth of Aaron. He said, I will be with your mouth, meaning that you will still be able to do what I'm calling you to do because that's a free gift. Whether we are sons, daughters, mothers, wives, whatever we are, I will give you what you need in order to do what is, what is asked of you. But I will be with Aaron's mouth because of your weakness. So we can look to the life of Christ to help us balance our insecurities because I can say that there are times in which insecurities 
or what we might perceive as insecurities can be good things. The first thing that we can look to the life of Christ is recognizing that our good things come from the source of goodness, to trust in God. It's not that it's not about us. With Christ, he says in John chapter 5, I can, my, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. In John chapter 14, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. With humanity, we even saw with, in, with Jeremiah the prophet, when, he said, when God said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And the Lord says, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. So God, he touched the mouth, the mouth of the prophets. But what more does God do when he gives us his own body and his blood? What more does God do when He promises us the Holy Spirit to guide us? Is it not more than what God did even with the prophets? Does, does anyone, when we said today, we said the litany of the gospel two times. And in the litany of the gospel we say, many prophets and righteous men, can you, can, can you finish it? Many prophets and righteous men have desired to see things which you see and have not seen them. And to hear the things which you hear have not heard them. They desired they desire to see what we see. They desire to hear what we hear. And yet sometimes we look to the prophets and say, if only God had given us such graces, He's given us even more. If He's touched the mouths of the prophets, then how much more does He do, does he do with all of us? There are people who spend tens of millions of dollars on a piece of art from a famous painter or a notebook from a famous scientist. And most of the time, when you look at this art or these notebooks, they're ugly, or they... <laughs> <laughs> you stare at them and you wonder, what is this? And there's a notebook that today is very irrelevant to what knowledge we have in today's world. But why, what is the value in, in the art or in those notebooks. It's the value of the author. It is the value of the creator, not in the art or in the notebook. So, I am, I am a good mother, not me, but I'm speaking on, I'm a good mother because I want to raise my kids through God, with God's guidance. Not because I somehow can master never getting angry with my kids or having perfect discernment in, um, in everything or that discernment of when or when not to be flexible. I'm a good husband when I'm trying to be Christ-like towards my family, not because I won't make mistakes. Because again, it's not about me, it's about the author. If I allow myself to be sculpted by him and to be touched by him. The second is the willingness to make change. We might be insecure because we feel that we are failing at many things. And this sometimes means that, it, it might mean that I overestimate myself, maybe because I'm not honest with myself. In Matthew chapter 26, Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. 
And Jesus said to him, I surely, I, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all of the disciples. St. Peter overestimated himself in this case. None of us are immune to the things that we think we may never struggle with. Sometimes this pride of overestimating ourselves has to be put away. We might be insecure because I take everything onto myself. And this might be sometimes where insecurities or the perception of this insecurity helps us. But we're still, it's still something that we respond to. In Acts chapter 8, when we hear about how Saint, God sent St. Philip to go and preach to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And so he, so he preached to him and he helped him to understand. And that's why he wanted to be baptized. So, am I insecure about my faith? Okay, maybe I can study my faith a little bit more. How hard is it for me nowadays to even find sources all over the internet and spend five to ten minutes a day on a question about my faith that, I, that I've been asking myself for so long and never had a chance to get an answer to? Am I insecure about my parenthood? Maybe I can discuss some of my challenges with some people who have, who have raised kids that are older now and have gone through, through it in a spiritual and practical manner? Am I, am, I too, am I too busy, too prideful to not do these things to address some of these insecurities practically? How has Christ himself overcome this type of insecurity through change? The change he made was when he took on human flesh. He did not overestimate himself because he already lowered himself to be man. So what we come to see, find him do next week that he is ready to die for his creation. He also didn't underestimate himself because when he took on the limitations of man, what do we hear whenever, when he went into the wilderness, that who ministered to him? To even fathom the idea that, that, that God himself needed to be ministered to by the angels. So if I myself have, have things unanswered and God limits, limited himself and is willing to have someone to minister to him. <clears throat> Who am I not to seek such things? The third is to accept delay. In Exodus chapter 3, God he says to Moses, he says, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. So the God is saying, you will find that everything that you have done was according to my will, when you find yourself serving God upon this mountain. So he's basically saying, wait, you'll have to wait to find out if um, the, the, the result of, of our relationship. And we hating it, we hate waiting for reassurance after the fact, but this is how sometimes God designs it, that we live by faith, that we find assurances that we did everything according to God's will after we've made ourselves vulnerable and after we have tried to discern God's will. And do we not do the same thing with our own careers? Do we not, do we not sit with myself and say, I, I apply to this, to this job, you know, these are the things that seem really great, but how much of me completely changing my life, finding a new job, how much am I leaving up to faith? How much am I leaving to not knowing the uncertainty? And yet I do it, and then it's not until six months or a year into that new job that I say, this was, 
a great decision. This was the best thing. I'm so glad that I followed God's will. Or we might say, I really didn't follow God's will. This was a mistake. The other is encouragement of others. An important aspect of insecurities is when we have people in our lives who try to combat insecurities, which is all of us, and we as people encourage, encourage other people's insecurities. So if a husband criticizes how his wife raises his, their children, why would she not be insecure? If, why, if a wife constantly makes her husband feel deficient, should he not be insecure? God works through all of us to encourage each other. I don't mean to say that we encourage or to be indifferent with each other, but to encourage one's desire to do good in the eyes of God and as a work in their salvation. So going back to the Feast of the Lord's entry into Jerusalem, Jesus, he proclaims his kingship without any insecurities, knowing knowing about all of what is to come. But he knows who he is. He is preparing himself for the ultimate sacrifice for our salvation. He continues to encourage his disciples with his words, his promises. May the Lord strengthen us and encourage us through Holy Week that we may celebrate with him the resurrection of life. To him be the glory both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.